been looking at the character of Joshua, and, um, and today we're going to look at uh, obedience. But we've jumped from what Kev was speaking about last week in chapter one, and we've jumped to chapter eight now. And we're about to hear about a battle. But I thought, uh, we can't just go straight into battle. We'll have to just have the story so far. So I hope you'll bear with me. So the story, story, story so far is this. Joshua had taken over leadership uh, of the Israelites from Moses. And after a miraculous crossing of the River Jordan, they'd arrived in the Promised Land. You probably know the story of how um, the, the first city they, they went to, they had to be victors over. God actually won that vic- victory. Uh, the, all that the people did was walk around and blow trumpets and, and praise God, and the walls just came tumbling down. God had said they were not to attack, they were just to obey. The battle would not be won by swords and battering rams, was won by the Lord God. So you'll no doubt be surprised that uh, following this and all the wonderful miracles that God had done, that uh, one guy uh, with a few others helping him decided that there was a lot of wonderful things around and that perhaps uh, nobody would mind if they took a few of these items that were obviously made of gold and silver but these items had been used in the worship of pagan gods. And God had specifically said, you are not to touch any of those. You're not to take them as loot. I don't care if they're silver and gold. They've been used uh, in the worship of, of uh, false gods. You are not to touch them. But I guess Achan thought that uh, nobody would mind and nobody would know. And uh, when they went into a battle against AI or I, um, the battle was lost miserably and many people were killed. They were just totally defeated and God revealed to Joshua that it was because somebody had sinned, somebody had been disobedient. So the culprit was found and dealt with and so we pick up the story, where's Claire? We pick up the story uh, with a second attack on AI now but uh, with Joshua in command, but he was under the command of the Lord God. Thanks. Oh, now is that working? Try that again. Okay. Where's the hand mic gone? Where's the hand mic gone? Callie, have you got the mic? Oh. I could just give you this. Thank you. Hello. This morning's reading is from Joshua. Then the Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Take the whole army with you and go up and attack Ai. For I have delivered into your hands the king of Ai, his people, his city and his land. You shall do to Ai and its king as you did to Jericho and its king, except that you may carry off their plunder and livestock for yourselves. Set an ambush behind the city. So Joshua and the whole army moved out to attack Ai. 
he chose 30,000 of his best fighting men and sent them out at night with these orders. Listen carefully. You are to set an ambush behind the city. Don't go very far from it. All of you be on the alert. I and all those with me will advance on the city. And when the men come out against us, as they did before, we will flee from them. They will pursue us until we have lured them away from the city. For they will say, they are running away from us as they did before. So when we flee from them, you are to rise up from the ambush and take the city. The Lord your God will give it into your hand. When you've taken the city, set it on fire. Do what the Lord has commanded. See to it, you have my orders. Then Joshua sent them off. And they went to the place of ambush and lay in wait between Bethel and Ai, to the west of Ai. But Joshua spent that night with the people. Early the next morning, Joshua mustered his army and he and the leaders of Israel marched before them to Ai. The entire force that was with him marched up and approached the city and arrived in front of it. They set up camp north of Ai with the valley between them and the city. Joshua had taken about 5,000 men and sent them out in ambush between Bethel and Ai to the west of the city. So the soldiers took up their positions with the main camp to the north of the city and the ambush to the west of it. That night, Joshua went into the valley. When the king of Ai saw this, He and all the men of the city hurried out early in the morning to meet Israel in battle at a certain place overlooking the Arabah. But he did not know that an ambush should be set against him behind the city. Joshua and all Israel let themselves be driven back before them and they fled towards the wilderness. All the men of Ai were called to pursue them. And they pursued Joshua and were lured away from the city. Not a man remained in Ai or Bethel who did not go after Israel. They left the city open and went in pursuit of Israel. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Hold out towards Ai the javelin that is in your hand, for into your hand I will deliver the city. So Joshua held out toward the city the javelin that was in his hand. As soon as he did that, this, the men in the ambush rose quickly from their position and rushed forward. They entered the city and captured it and quickly set it on fire. The men of Ai looked back and saw the smoke of the city rising up into the sky, but they had no chance to escape in any direction. The Israelites who had been fleeing towards the wilderness had turned back against their pursuers. For when Joshua and all Israel saw that the ambush had taken the city and that smoke was going up from it, they turned around and attacked the men of Ai. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father God, I pray that you will teach us, that you will speak into our hearts. Lord, I pray that you will give us a desire to be more like you. I pray that you'll give us an understanding of what it means 
to be obedient to you, the Lord God. So, Father, I pray that you'll take my words and, and let them disappear in your words. Come, Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, uh, after that long reading and that long introduction, it boils down to this. God says, do something and you'll be blessed. And uh, if you don't do it, there'll be trouble. And it wasn't the first time he'd said that. You'll know from the journeys in the wilderness, well, even long before that, you know, right from the beginning, um, God was saying, if you, do, if you go this way, this is my covenant with you, if you are obedient, then you'll have uh, blessings. But if you're disobedient, there will be uh, the curses or things will go against you. It's a very simple concept, and yet I wonder how many of us can say that we are obedient. I don't think I can. Not fully obedient, and not all the time. Maybe some of the time, but not totally, and not all of the time. But I don't think that that's right, and I don't think I should excuse myself. Um, I think I should be striving to always be obedient, because aren't we all striving to be more like Jesus? And Jesus was obedient, wasn't he? He was obedient to death on the cross. So it's about obedience today. Uh, most of you will know I've got uh, a little Patterdale Terrier. And uh, oh, I love her to bits and she loves me, but she is not an obedient dog. And <laughs> she is some of the time, but uh, every now and again she will not come back when it's time to get a lead on again she will not come back to me and once she has disobeyed me the first time uh, then I, she just gets a look in her eye I know that I'm in trouble and I, I sort of try and say to people try and catch her for me and it's only about once in every hundred times but I have been on the, uh, the railway track, I've been in Eugen Park, in Croxteth Park, for hours on end waiting for her. And she hasn't left me, she's always been sometimes a yard away, sometimes 10 yards away, always watching where I am. But if I leave the park, um, then she just will follow at a distance, crossing roads, causing havoc. Uh, and it's, she's a real danger to herself and to other people. And I think there's something of me in, uh, in, in, uh, in the dog, or something of the dog in me. And anyway, I'm, uh, I'm, I think I can be disobedient. And I wonder what excuses, I'm assuming that some of you here will be uh, also uh, not fully obedient. I wonder what excuses you make for, for uh, disobeying God. Anybody got any ideas? Because I've got a whole ream of them. Sorry? I tired. You were tired, so you disobeyed because you were tired. Oh, a, <laughs> I haven't got that one. That's a good one. Anybody else got any reasons why they would disobey God? Yes. Sorry? You were afraid. That's a really good reason. Yeah. Yeah. It seemed like a good idea. It seemed like a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. Loads of things. We excuse ourselves. We 
you might have heard, you know, uh, there's, there's loads, loads of things that we say. There was a guy, uh, an, um, an Italian uh, monk called uh, St. Thomas Aquinas, and uh, he talked about, he lived a thousand years ago, and he talked about uh, three implacable enemies of the soul, Mundus, Carus, Caro, and uh, Diabolus. And uh, that is the, uh, the world, the flesh, and the devil. And the church accepted that into its liturgy and its, its um, the whole, the whole uh, well, its liturgy, yeah. Um, and we use it in our baptism services, don't we? Uh, we do the sign of the cross and we say, we all say together, see if you can join in with me, fight valiantly against sin, the world, and the devil until the end of your life. Am I the only one who knows this? <laughs> well, I have looked it up, I suppose. But yeah, we, we actually ask the godparents, or in the case of adults, to, uh, to say that they will fight against these three enemies of the soul, the world, the flesh, and the devil. So I thought we'd have a look at that. And uh, you know, even when Jesus was tempted, he was tempted on those three issues. Um, he was tempted f from the flesh when he, he was tempted to turn stones into bread because he was really, really hungry and it seemed like a good idea, but no, he, uh, he, he brought the word of God into it. Uh, he was, uh, the devil suggested he jump down off a high tower um, because he wouldn't be hurt and, and how famous would he be if he did that? And also, the devil tried to persuade him to um, what was the third? What was the third temptation? Well, the de uh, the devil. Yeah, the de the devil uh, said, "Worship me." He 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 wanted uh, to worship him, and maybe we don't see ourselves in terms of worshiping the devil, but the devil is uh, is our enemy, and he would love it if we did what he wanted. So if Jesus was tempted on these three things, although he didn't succumb, uh, we're likely to be as well. So I think the world is one of the big, the big things um, that are likely to tempt us. And if you've got kids, you may have been used to them saying, everybody does it. I want a mobile phone because everybody has one. And I, I, and I can't wear those no-name trainers to school because nobody would wear that and everybody would say it was rubbish. And this argument of everybody doing something is uh, a very forceful one uh, in our world today. You know, we can argue that uh, things have changed and we know things have changed. Values have changed. Things that were unacceptable uh, as a, a community and as a, a, a nation uh, uh, have become acceptable now. But because everybody's uh, doing something doesn't mean to say it's right. I'm not gonna be uh, racist here, but there was a story and originally it was an Irishman, but anyway, there was somebody in court and uh, he had three people who uh, testified, they were eyewitnesses that he had done something wrong. Uh, but his argument was he could produce 40 witnesses who hadn't seen him do something wrong, which is 
you know, ridiculous, isn't it? Because, because everybody says something doesn't make it right. Christians have different values than the world. Jesus uh, talked about uh, entering through a narrow gate. Wide is the gate, and many may enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. So are you prepared to go against the world's values while still loving the world and loving the people of the world? It's difficult, isn't it? And we are tempted by uh, the culture in which we live. Second thing, the flesh. Well, you know, we all want our own way. That's uh, the big danger. We like to be in charge. We like doing what we like, when we like. We may convince ourselves that it doesn't do anybody any harm. And we deserve some me time. We may say things like, I'm only human, or I'm sure God doesn't mind. But in the end, we forget that we're bought with a price. Our bodies are not our own. Uh, we were bought with a price, which is the precious blood of Jesus. Our life is no longer our own if we've come to know Jesus. Paul said he'd been crucified with Christ, and now Christ is living in him. You know, God uh, has given us so much, hasn't he? And, and he's given us Jesus. And that blood is so precious that it's brought us uh, to where we are and will save us in the future. God wants the very best for us. He's promised us an abundant life. He's, uh, you know, he's not going to turn a blind eye to our uh, sin and to our disobedience because he hates it. He knows that we can live a much better life, a happier life. Things will be better uh, if only uh, we can trust him to do right. The devil, of course, is the third implacable enemy against the soul. We got an insight into his tricks uh, in the Garden of Eve, Eden. He convinced Eve that, uh, that God was a spoil sport, that God just wanted knowledge for himself and he didn't want them to know uh, stuff. And he, start, uh, he started wheedling into her thoughts and saying, you know, did God really say that? You know, okay, you think he said you'd be not to touch that, but did he really say that? After all, you know, isn't he a God of love? Would he really mind? Satan would have us believe that the God who punished Adam and Eve, the God who punished Achan in our Bible story, has somehow changed. Did God really say? Well, God has said, I, the Lord, uh, do not change. Jesus spoke of God's holiness and justice in most of his parables. You think of all the parables he told, parable of the talents, the wedding banquet, the vineyard, the, the ten um, bridesmaids. All of these, Jesus was saying, you know, so much that you can have. I can give you eternal life. Heaven is waiting for you. Why would you want to do your own thing? Why would you not want to wear the, the wedding uh, dress that I'm giving you? 
does sin matter? Does disobedience matter? Well, it mattered to Joshua because he had followed God since he was a young man in Egypt. He was uh, one of only a couple who, who had come out of Egypt and he had walked across dry land, across the Red Sea. He had seen so many miracles uh, over the years and he'd also seen how uh, things had gone wrong during those 40 years in the desert. He'd seen uh, plagues of snake and fire coming down. He'd seen God's blessings and he'd seen God's uh, judgment on the people. He was uh, truly an obedient person. But you know, uh, God, victory is such a wonderful thing. Some of us have been reading the book of Revelation just now, that's not, not easy. But over and over again, we see how uh, God is calling us to be overcomers. Perhaps uh, you may recognize in yourself that, um, that maybe you, you, you've fallen short of God's glory. The Bible tells us we've all uh, come short of the glory of God. The thing is, sometimes we'll settle for that. But I wonder whether we should. I don't think we should. I think we should be longing to, um, to get to that place the church calls it sanctification. You don't, you don't hear many sermons on sanctification these days, but it means becoming more like Jesus, becoming holy, becoming separate, becoming different, um, because that is what we are called to be. Uh, God said, be ye holy as I am holy. It's not an easy subject to preach on because uh, we are all, uh, we're all sinful, and I guess we've all... Uh, made mistakes we've all sort of thought well God wouldn't mind that but you know I for one feel very convicted about um, the way I've treated uh, God so lightly at times you know he is almighty God he is honest he's truthful he's righteous and, uh, and that's what he calls us to be as well let's pray Father, I just pray that, um, that you will help us to hear what you're saying to us. Father, I pray that, uh, that you will help us to recognize those times where we're not trusting you to do the right thing. We're not trusting you um, to, for, for all that we need where we think that our ways are better than your ways, where we think it doesn't matter. Father, forgive us and help us to become more like Jesus. Amen. Amen.